At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a house. It's your home, the place that's filled with memories. The early days of figuring it out to the later years of still figuring it out. For the place you've put down roots, trust Amica Home Insurance. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Is Trevor Lawrence still the answer for the Jacksonville Jaguars after their historic collapse? We talk about that and so much more coming up next year on this edition of Locked On NFL. You are Locked On NFL. Your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to another edition of the Locked On NFL Podcast, your daily NFL podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostriker, one of the many NFL experts here on our network and the host of Locked On Ravens. We are free and available here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you so much for tuning into Locked On NFL and making us your first listen each and every day. Subscribe in video form, subscribe in audio form again, free wherever you get your shows. Today's episode of Locked On NFL is brought to you by... FanDuel. Make everyone more right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. We are officially in playoff season as week 18 came to a close on Sunday. Some crazy games and some crazy scenarios playing out. We're going to be talking about the biggest stories from throughout week 18. We'll start off with the Jacksonville Jaguars who did not make the playoffs. They lose to the Tennessee Titans, and it ends a historic collapse to their season. We'll talk with Tony Wiggins of Locked On Jaguars about if Trevor Lawrence is still the answer in Jacksonville. Then we'll talk with Joe Marino of Locked On Bills. The Bills beating the Miami Dolphins on Sunday Night Football to take the two seed in the AFC East. Then finally, Chris Carter of Locked On Steelers joins us for the second straight week. The Pittsburgh Steelers, they did their job on Saturday against the Ravens, and they got the help they needed to sneak into the playoffs. So without any further ado, let's first get into our conversation with Tony Wiggins of Locked On Jaguars. The Jacksonville Jaguars saw their season come to an end on Sunday in week 18. They lose to the Tennessee Titans, and that eliminates them from playoff contention. Here to talk about that with me and just where the Jaguars go from here is Tony Wiggins, the host of Locked On Jaguars. And Tony, I know disappointing all around for Jacksonville here. High expectations coming into the season. And obviously, when you talk about what they did up until about November, they were right in the thick of things, top of the AFC, and then the brutal collapse to end the season. I just want to start by asking you, I mean, where did it all go wrong for Jacksonville here? In, in the offseason last year when they decided that a team that went 9-8 and eight and went 1-1 one and one in the playoffs, uh, so a total of 10-9, and nine, that they were uh, – that they'd arrived, that it was just time for them to uh, now focus on drafting and developing. And, and, look, I get it. Most of the guys were second-year players that were the best players on the team or they were free agents who had just been added to the team. And they did go on a winning streak late in the year. They won seven straight games when they had to win them down a stretch. And I seven out of eight anyway. And I understand that. So I understand why you would think, okay, since these guys are young and we just got them all, let's just go ahead and push with this. I just think that they wasted they wasted a golden opportunity 
to increase the competition, to get better, to raise the floor of this franchise, and to maybe add just that one other weapon, you know, that's a big-time player who can make a play. And, and now they're paying for it. And now the question is, where are they in their, in their development? And are the guys that they thought were good players, are they actually good enough to be a part of this, a big part of this future of this franchise? And you mentioned you know, it was the offseason, this offseason, Tony. Where, where would you write that wrong? Are there any pending free agents you bring back you think can be key parts of the team? Or what positions are you looking at for them to really go after in free agency in the draft? Well, first of all, the, the way that I would write that wrong is I wouldn't let the person that's been doing all of that stuff continue to do it. And that would be Trent Balky. He'd be the first one out of the door. I'd get rid of him tomorrow. In fact, uh, his stuff would be packed if he came in tomorrow morning. That's just how how I feel about it. And I totally start over and get a reset in the personnel department. And there are a lot of young, good guys out there like Mike Bradway over in Kansas City that's real good and has done it for a long time. And somebody who will really, really be in tune with what Doug wants to do. See, the thing for me is too many of these guys, they're getting there and there's this tug of war. And I don't, I'm not saying that they've had that, but I'm sure that there's some philosophical differences that have led to them being talent deficient. You want want to do this and you want to do that, right? So I'm thinking you have to find a coach and a GM, guys that are familiar with each other, guys that work together. Stop trying to take all of these different compounds and bring them together and think you're going to get a good mix. No, that's not the way it works. You have you, they, These guys have a track record with each other. Les Snead and Sean McVay know exactly what they, what they need to be doing in the offseason. And they trust each other. That's why uh, That's why Puka Nakua looks just like the other kid, Cooper Cup. Baltimore, you guys, your team, uh, O-Striker that you cover, they just got a bunch of dudes that all look alike to me. And because they have the same DNA and they're cut the same way and they're cut from the same cloth and you ain't got to wake them up and tell them what they got to be because they are that from the second that they wake up and start breathing, they're those tough guys. And for me, they don't have an identity here. And now I'm questioning whether they even have the five or six really good young players that they're going to need in order to uh, to say, okay, this is our core. Maybe they don't even have the guy if they're going to end up being good a year or two from now. Maybe their best player ain't even on a team yet. Mm. And I know that this was a huge year for Trevor Lawrence, Tony, in terms of just figuring out what he was at the NFL level. How would you assess what Trevor Lawrence did this season? And are you confident in him moving forward as the franchise guy for Jacksonville? The best thing that Trevor Lawrence did this season was show that he's a tough guy because of all those injuries. And he had them high ankle sprain, concussion, a sprained AC joint that, you know, had him on the injury report this week, a knee problem, you know, from getting twisted around and banged up because offensive line had him running for his life. He showed that there's no quit in him. But the one thing you cannot do if you're a quarterback. I can tell you about Jameis Winston, who I think is just as talented as maybe everybody except eight or nine guys in a, in a league when you're talking about pure arm talent. I can think of guys like Jay Cutler. In fact, the only guy, I'll go and say this in history, the only guy that was a little bit of a turnover machine that people accepted it was Brett Favre. That's it. Everybody else? The one thing you cannot do, I don't care who you are, how good you are. I've seen running backs get benched, like Pro Bowl caliber run. If they fumble too much, you got to sit. You just can't be a turnover machine. And Trevor Lawrence has more turnovers than any other quarterback, I think, in any other player since he's coming to the league. That's just something 
you you can't just have that title and just think it's sweet when you're gonna get 160 million dollars. It doesn't work like that. You cannot turn the full. You can be a little bit. You have accuracy issues. Accuracy issues. You know. You can even sometimes be like a like a talented coward and kind of you know look for the pressure a little bit and you get happy feet. Coaches will deal with all of that stuff. They one thing they won't deal with is turnovers, and one thing your teammates won't deal with is giving the ball. You will get punched in the face by one of those defensive linemen that's tired of going out there every four plays. It yeah, it's I think with the turnovers, you have to be able to just protect the football because when you have momentum for a season like this, it all comes crashing down here, especially with what Jacksonville did. It's really unfortunate. And I also think, Tony, I'm interested to hear your just thoughts on your division here in the AFC South, because I think coming into the season, pretty low expectations, I would say, for every team other than Jacksonville. Now, Jacksonville, I mean, they showed flashes, but the collapse, everybody's going to remember that as opposed to what they did earlier in the season. But you have the Texans, who are the division winners here. C.J. Stroud looks like he's a baller. He's going to be a problem in this league for a long time. The Colts have Anthony Richardson coming back next year. Tennessee with Will Levis. That pick looks like it worked out at least better than I thought it would. So where's your stance on the AFC South right now and where Jacksonville kind of fits in right now? I'm a little bit afraid because remember that thing I said I was when I saw them against the 49ers and I was like, this ain't a one-off. What I saw, they got a problem. And it's the same thing. I, I look at these other teams. The Jaguars are built outside in. They spend a lot of money on the receivers. They got the number one pick on their quarterback. Their, their, their defense is edge rushers. The number one pick guys come from the edge, right? Second round pick corner. They're outside in. It's almost like that's why when you watch them play with the inconsistency, they look like a seven on seven team that just got there today. And Trevor even said that sometimes when they, play it's like they don't even practice well who doesn't practice a seven on seven travel team that shows up on friday because they got a, a tournament on saturday that's exactly what they look like and what else is is, is is seven on seven they ain't got no they ain't got no sandbags in their pocket there's no line there's no line of scrimmage so they're built outside in right the jaguars are built outside in those other teams are built inside out the offensive line of the coach the defensive line the investment that uh, with Laramie Tunsil and those other guys that Houston has, and then their defense, they're built inside out. And, and that's what, you, that's, that's sustainable. The other stuff isn't because as soon as Christian Kirk gets hurt, everything falls apart because they're built outside in. You can't just say, okay, our wide receivers hurt. Turn around and look at your offensive line, man, and say, we need you to take us home. Quarterback's a little off. We're just going to ground and pound. We're going heavy. We're going two tight ends. We're just going to bust people in the mouth. They can't do it. They can't even think about doing anything like that, bro. And when you don't have that, it's always misdirection and quick screens and and little gadget plays. And Evan Ingram got 197 catches and don't even have a thousand yards. I'm being facetious. I'm joking. But yeah, all those catches and with all the catches he has, I don't know what he ended up with, but it was well over 100. And he should have had 12, 1,300 yards. But no, they, they got to get that ball out quick. You know why? Because homie ain't going to have a whole lot of time to be back there. And that's and that's the other thing that I'll give Tre- Trevor a little bit of credit for. He ain't never been, you know, comfortable with, you know, we're not having to run for his life because these guys are coming right up the middle. 
And that's that's a bad thing. And now he has to go one way or the other and that cuts half the field off. And he has to make these weird contorted throws, which might end up leading to him getting those uh, interceptions. But the thing is, is here's the question. Okay, if you fix it, can you fix him now? Has he had three years of brokenness? Now can you fix him? How many times have we seen a talented quarterback get broken? Didn't Vince Young win the rookie of the year? Once you get broken, it's over for most of them. So I don't know, man. Maybe, 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 maybe you know, it, it's something that even if they fix their issue, they may still have a Trevor problem and have to fix him. And the only reason I say that is because of those turnovers. We'll see what the Jaguars have in store for their future, but definitely some look in the mirror moments for this team. And for more on Tony, check him out over at the Locked On Jaguars podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming up in the second part of the show, Joe Marino of Locked On Bills will join us to talk about Buffalo's big week 18 went over Miami to clinch the number two seed and the AFC East. Stay tuned, plan to talk about it on the show. First, this episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What's the one move that I can make that will take my business to the next level in 2024? LinkedIn Jobs knows your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. And I've had a ton of great experiences over on LinkedIn, finding jobs, networking, connecting with people. It's been really, really great. And it's really important to build a great team and the right hiring tools are critical to do that. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which make it the best place to hire. And hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And it's really important to achieve goals too, right? New year, new goals. The right team member might be able to help do that. That's why small businesses are really jobs. Number one, delivering quality hires or something competitors. LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats. You might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. Push up for free at LinkedIn.com slash NFL. LinkedIn.com slash locker on a photo push up for each conditions apply. At Vanguard, you're more than just an investor. You're an owner. That means your priorities are Vanguard's too. So whether you're planning for retirement or trying to save up for your next big adventure, Vanguard will work alongside you to set personalized investment goals. That's the value of ownership. All investing is subject to risk. Vanguard is owned by its funds, which are owned by Vanguard's fund shareholder clients. Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor. We're back for our second segment of Locked On NFL. Kevin Ostreicher still talking with you here on this Monday. Playoffs officially here, and the Bills, they punched their ticket. They got the help, and they got the win that they needed. Number two seed in AFC East champions, Joe Marino of Locked On Bills, joins us to talk about what it means for the Bills and how far they can go with Josh Allen now. There was a battle for the AFC East on Sunday Night Football in Week 18. The Bills taking on the Dolphins in Miami. The Bills come out victorious in a wild and wacky game. They get the two seed and they get the division. Joe Marino of Locked on Bills here to break down everything that happened in that game. Plus, the Bills playoff prospects as they now, again, number two seed in the AFC. Joe, this wasn't a game for the faint of heart. Back and forth, Miami gets out to the early lead. Then some special teams play helps the Bills. And then Josh Allen puts the team on his back towards the end after a very shaky first half. How'd the Bills pull this one out? Well, I think the game was very emblematic of the Bills season, right? The Bills started pretty rough. They were six and six. They were 11 
the 11 seed in the AFC coming out of week 12. And you get to December, the Dolphins have a three-game lead in the division, and the Bills just kind of kept scratching and clawing and getting their way back into it, even though and the beginning it was ugly, right? The, the beginning of the Bills game against Miami was ugly with some massive missed opportunities in the red zone, some boneheaded turnovers by Josh Allen. I mean, really, the first 40 minutes of the game, the Bills just did not play winning football, just kind of like I would say the first 12 weeks of the season, the Bills didn't play winning football. But they turned it on during the season. They won their last five. They won six of their last seven. And then they found a way down the stretch, and I think they were sparked by the Deontay Hardy punt return for a touchdown. And then the Bills offense was able to move the ball like they did all game long, but they scored some touchdowns. And then the defense is really what tightened the screws. It felt like Miami was able to run the ball and really get a lot going in the first half. In the second half, it was three consecutive three and outs for the Bills defense. And then, of course, Miami has a chance to tie the game late. Five plays later, Taylor Rapp picks off uh, to a pass and the game's over. The Bills win the division. And so I think it speaks to the resilience of the Bills. I'm not sure that they're a consistently dominant football team. There's maybe been some moments this year where they've shown that, but there's a resiliency factor here that I think uh, can take them a long way. Um, but it'd be nice if they can get the resilience and the you know the high level execution component to really make a run here. But a big uh, a big finish for the Bills in this game and a big finish for the Bills this season. A lot of people are waiting for this Buffalo Miami game to be over so we would know the full AFC playoff picture. How do you like the matchup with Pittsburgh? I think you have to love it, right? I mean, it's it's an NFL game, and Pittsburgh's going to, you know, Mike Tomlin and that, they're going to be ready to go. They're going to give the Bills all they have. But if you're a playoff team, what more can you ask for than hosting a team that has their third-string quarterback that's kind of been bumbling on offense, got a little bit hot lately, but how sustainable is it? They're pretty good on defense, but TJ Watts got a, a, a knee deal. He's probably not going to play like, this is kind of what you'd want, right, in terms of uh, a draw for the playoffs. And the Bills, I think, open as nearly 10-point favorites against Pittsburgh. And so they got to take care of their business. But this Bills team has not been immune to letdowns. I mean, this is a team that lost to the Jets, that lost to the Patriots, that lost to the Broncos, that lost to the Jaguars, lost to the Bengals. Those are not playoff teams. They have six losses against non-play, or excuse me, five losses against non-playoff teams. Of course, the Eagles being the other one. And Good Lord, what I mean, what have they looked like down the stretch? So the Bills are not immune to some blunders, but you have to love the opportunity to host Pittsburgh in the first round and give yourself a chance to win a playoff game for a fourth consecutive season. And I think now the conversation is, well, in the AFC, it's who can challenge the Ravens, who challenges sure. Baltimore in the AFC. And I think that not a lot of teams scare people who look at Baltimore. But, Joe, what's the case for the Bills to be the team that could knock off the top-seeded Ravens if it comes to it? Well, Kevin, you've you've seen the games like I have. I think the Bills, in terms of defensively, is as a non-division team, right? I mean, that the division teams are always a little bit different. As a non-division team, I think they've probably give Lam, given Lamar Jackson some of the, his bigger challenges throughout his career. Um, and I think I think they maybe won two or two or three of the last. Right? They beat him in the playoffs before. Like they've had these moments. Um, and obviously, I mean, Baltimore, they haven't played this Ravens team. Not not with. Uh, the, the two new coordinators and you know how that's really, I don't know, reinvigorated the Baltimore Ravens and very opportunistic on defense or very dynamic, of course, with Lamar Jackson. They present a world of problems. And not only that, but you got to go to their place. It's it's a tough ask, but I, I feel like I feel like the football world should give us that as the AFC championship game because candidly, I think this is the best two teams in the AFC and the Bills beat the Chiefs. They beat the Dolphins twice. I mean, who who else is who else is in there? 
I, I want to see that in, in the AFC Championship game. And I think the Bills could probably give the Baltimore the toughest game of anyone in the conference, candidly. Yeah, I think the AFC, you look at Baltimore, and I think the Bills are the team that you have to look at. Maybe the Browns, but I think Buffalo's a little more well-rounded overall yeah. here. But, Joe, just based off of maybe vibes and what you've seen from this team over the past month or two, does it feel like it could be their year this year? Does it Does it feel good in Buffalo right now? It feels good to win five in a row and six of the last seven. Like, you're going into the playoffs with some momentum. I think where it gets a little bit challenging is – the script has looked different, right? When you think about the Bills, and they've really become a, a one of the upper echelon teams in the NFL as of the 2020 season. And the, the formula has always been Josh Allen carrying the team, Stefan Diggs. And while against Miami, the passing game production and, and even Stefan Diggs production was very, very good. Uh, I think Diggs hauled in seven of eight targets for 87 yards. And the one incompletion, Josh Allen overshot him by five yards after he had major vertical separation against Jalen Ramsey, a throw that Josh should make. You you would expect 17 to 14 to be really the, the script here. And it's really not. I mean, they've it's been James Cook and Khalil Shakir and, and Dalton Kincaid and and running the ball and playing good defense situationally. Like that's kind of been their formula. And and at times it feels like Josh Allen's gotten in the way of that. But then there's also those moments where it's like, oh man, this guy does make those special plays in big moments and and comes through. And it's like there's been so many games this year where I've watched Josh Allen play a bozo game for a lot of it. I would say this Miami game was certainly a bozo game to start the first game against the Jets, the Patriots lost, the Broncos lost, but in every single one of those games, he's left the field with the lead, right? He kind of just always finds a way and you love that. But if you can get some consistency, start to finish, maybe some of these games wouldn't be as close. We'll see what that Bills team has in store. And for more on Joe's work, check him out over at the Locked On Bills podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming up with the final part of the show, Chris Carter, Locked On Steelers, joins us as we talk about that Pittsburgh team that somehow just sneaks into the playoffs every single season under Mike Tomlin. Plenty to get to on the show. First, this show is sponsored by FanDuel. In the NFL regular season, it's officially wrapped up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is really easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays. You can find bets in the new sports app. Make a parlay in the Parlay Hub. That's the best way to find popular parlays and so much more. So let's see about on that Ravens and Steelers game, right? Tyler Huntley, you might have bet on him. He threw a touchdown to Isaiah Likely, so that was great. Or maybe Deontay Johnson, anytime touchdown. He scored a long one for the Steelers. Visit FanDuel.com slash lockdown to make your first bet a layup. FanDuel official partner of the NFL. We're back here rounding out Lockdown NFL on Monday. Kevin Ostriker still talking here with you again. Thank you for tuning in and making Lockdown NFL your first listen each and every day. Be sure to subscribe in video form and audio form. It's the same show either way, so you're not missing out on any content. Let's talk with Chris Carter of Locked On Steelers. The Steelers punched their ticket to the playoffs. They'll be taking on the Bills. And Chris and I actually recorded this before we knew the winner of the AFC East game between the Bills and the Dolphins. So Chris tells us what matchup he would have preferred coming up now. Well, the Pittsburgh Steelers played on Saturday against the Baltimore Ravens, and they got a big win, and they ended up getting the help they needed on Sunday to get into the big dance after seemingly just being left for dead a couple weeks ago. Mason Rudolph 
leads that team. And here we are. Pittsburgh makes the playoffs again. Chris Carter of Locked on Steelers here to dive into everything Steelers related as they get ready for another playoff push and potentially maybe a long one if everything goes right for them. Chris, how surprised are you after everything Pittsburgh's been through? We kind of talked about it last week with the turmoil that's happened throughout the season. Pittsburgh got the job done. Mike Tomlin got the job done and the Steelers are in. So I wasn't that surprised at things working the way they needed to in week 18, but I am surprised after falling to seven and seven that they are in the playoffs. Like I saw a path there, um, but the, all the things that needed to happen for them to get there is very impressive. Them turning around the way that they have, finding offense the way that they have, three straight games of a quarterback having a passive rating of over 100 uh, in Mason Rudolph. That That is very surprising. I thought if this was going to happen, uh, Kenny Pickett was going to have to come back and then play much better than he ever has. Uh, and that none of that needed to happen. And that's that. That's crazy to, to think right now. If, if you follow the New York Times' uh, playoff calculator and the percentages that they dole out week in and week out, back before their game, the, the, the night of that they played the Bengals back uh, um, you know when they started this win streak that, that, that they're on right now, they had a 9% chance to make the playoffs. Going into Sunday after their win over the Ravens, that was 71%. And then you saw the Titans beat the Jaguars. Uh, we don't know who's won the Bills or Dolphins as we're recording during that game, but I mean, it's very clear, like, yeah, this was a huge turnaround. But this is, again, why people call Mike Tomlin a great coach. Because, you know, not because he does everything right the first time, but because he finds ways to be able to get his team to rally at certain points. He, they, they, he, he helps, he gets them to learn from their mistakes. He gets young guys to buy in. George Pickens, who, you know, was being pay, painted as a malcontent in Pittsburgh, was was you know, being said, oh, he doesn't care. He doesn't block for his teammates. He doesn't care about when other guys do good things. And here he is. Is you know he had a, he had 195 yards one week. He blocked for Jalen Warren's touchdown the next week, and then this week he doesn't get a single target against the Ravens. But do, do you see him pouting? Do you see him upset? No, you see him celebrating Deontay Johnson's touchdown, celebrating in the locker room, being called a brother uh, by Mason Rudolph, and Mason Rudolph praising him for saying we intentionally used him as a decoy because the Ravens were just double teaming him, so we used him as the point that we kind of based everything off of. So. You know, that right there, that says a lot for how this, this team has, has grown and continues to grow. And I think a lot of that is due to Mike Tomlin. And I think that with this team now, Chris, there are going to be some questions, mainly around TJ Watt and his health mm -hmm. going into the playoffs. He suffers a knee injury in that win against Baltimore. What's the latest on TJ? We, we know how important he is to that team, to that defense. Obviously, the best player on that defense. Is there any chance he returns it all for the playoffs, or is this more of a thing where you just wait for him next season? So it initially it looked like they were going to have to wait for him for just next season and hope that he could be even able to play. Initially, it was reported that he had a grade three uh, MCL sprain, which would have sat him for the rest of the season. But J.J. Watt came out and said it was just a grade two MCL sprain, which can be recovered from in a week or two. Uh, so it's going to be about all about his physical therapy. And TJ Watt is also a superhuman athlete. You know, he, like things could recover faster for him. Uh, but I, I think what's going to happen is the Steelers are probably going to say like, listen, buddy, whether or not that we win this, this playoff game, we need you for the next week. I think that's going to be their approach. We need you for not just next week, but for the whole next year to be healthy you know, and, and turn that from a grade two sprain into uh, you know a whole problem that's going to impact you even being available for training camp. Uh, Mike Tomlin's shown 
the difference, like, you know, that the, the Tebow playoff game, Ryan Clark wasn't allowed to, wasn't allowed by him to play that game. And Ryan Clark fought, fought like hell to be in that playoff game. But Mike Tomlin, knowing that he had sickle cell uh, disease, he wasn't going to let him risk his life for that. And I, I think that Mike Tomlin will put, make a similar decision here. Unless TJ Watt shows that he's completely healthy and the doctors approve it. I don't think he'll play in this next game, but if it all, all to be believe and he heals the right way, if the Steelers are able to win in the first round, I could see him coming back in the in the divisional round of the playoffs. Now, Chris, we're recording this as you talked about before the Bills and Dolphins game is over, so we don't know yet what the final AFC seeding will be at the time of this recording. But that does impact what the Steelers will have ahead of them in the playoffs. So can you kind of talk about what the scenarios are right now for the Steelers and then which one of those you would prefer for Pittsburgh? So the scenarios right now is if the Bills win this game, the Bills are the two seed, the Steelers travel to Buffalo. If the Dolphins win the game, the, the Dolphins are the two seed, the Bills drop to the seventh seed, and the Steelers are bumped up to the sixth seed. So in that scenario, they would travel to Kansas City and play the Chiefs. And in my for my money right now, if I was if I was going to be looking at what which would be better for the Steelers, you got to play the Chiefs because the Chiefs are a team right now that they are still a team that's going to be predicated on trying to throw the ball, but they don't have the receivers to kill you right now. They're, they're a team that, you know, I, I think Patrick Mahomes is dealing with a little bit of what Lamar Jackson has had to deal with for some years in having a bunch of receivers who can't make plays and, and just, and, and, you know, be the guys that kill teams with their speed or with their hands. Uh, I, I think the Steelers can focus on Travis Kelsey, trust the rest of their secondary that will be getting back. Make if it's Patrick next, next week, he did say he will play for sure. If they made the playoffs, um, and uh, you're also getting DeMonte KZ back. So you'll have a full staple of safeties for the first time in a month. Um, and I think that that's a good position to be in. You play those guys. Plus the chief, the chiefs, um, you know, in this, in, in their, in their game, you know, they, they were able to, you know, pull, pull it out and get a win against the chargers. Um, but that was the first time that they've had, they've won back-to-back -back games since October. You look back to the, at the rest of their schedule, they're three and three in their last six games, uh, four and four in their last eight. They've been very up and down. You'd rather play that team, whereas the the Bills, again, we don't know the the result of uh, of Sunday night football and everything. They've won four in a row and five of their last uh, six. So um, if if I'm the Steelers, I look at that and I'd say like, you know, it'd be nicer. I mean, you you take whoever you get. The Steelers aren't going to be ducking anybody, but. I think the Steelers would feel would be much more advantageous to play a Chiefs team that has been struggling all this year than a Bills team that I think when when they're when they're when they're mid or they're down if they're having like a like a so-so game like right now against the Dolphins at least early on this kind of looks like one of those so-so games um you know but when they're when and when they're down that you could beat them but when the Bills are on they're very tough to beat and they might be one of the more dangerous teams in football but the Chiefs they've kind of shown they've only had 3 games they've even scored 30 or more points uh you know the Steelers have had two this year that's how that that's how down the Chiefs are. I would I think the Steelers would be more they would have a bigger advantage playing that team than the Bills. Chris is great and check him out over at the Locked On Steelers podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. That's all I have for you here today on Locked On NFL. Thank you so much for tuning in. Coming up tomorrow, more NFL content with your Tuesday host. So be sure to stay tuned for that. We'll see you right back here tomorrow on Locked On NFL. Dental Associates of Northern Virginia redefine what it means to visit the dentist. Get top quality personalized support from committed experts who prioritize the well-being and satisfaction of you and your family. Care is centered on a highly personalized treatment plan backed by the trust and support of long-lasting relationships. Schedule your next appointment by visiting dental1-va.com/offer/seriousxm.